Good morning. It is so good to be in the house of God this morning. Who is excited? I thought I was going to come in here and have to give you guys a pep talk because 9 a.m. sometimes is a little tired. Like, who's excited? It's usually like, <laughs> like during announcements. But you guys are on it today. I appreciate that. I see my dad in the first row. I'm really happy that he is here. You can give him a hand clap. <laughs> but God is good. For those that do not know me in this place, my name is Lauren Sienski. I am on staff here with MPI. I love this church. I love serving this church in the way that I do. I am married to the wonderful and handsome sound man, Andrew. We, <laughs> we have four beautiful children, and we are blessed. And I am just thankful that what, for what God has done in my life. He has done a mighty work in my life. He took me from a place of sin and destruction, and he saved me. He put my feet on solid rock. He gave me a calling. He gave me a purpose. And I'm reminded of his love, and I'm reminded of his plans for my life when I look at my husband and my children. So I am thankful to Jesus. Are you thankful to Jesus for what he's done in your life? Amen. Pastors Joe and Nancy are out on vacation right now. Uh, in Pastor Joe's words, he likes to say that they are suffering for Jesus. They're probably on their way to Florida right now to a beach house, suffering hard for the Lord, <laughs> suffering hard. But all kidding aside, they deserve it. They are the best pastors in the world. And even when they're on vacation, they work very hard for the kingdom of God. They still do ministry. They work hard for this church, and they love you so much. They, they love you, MPI. We have the best pastors. So can someone say, God is good? God is faithful. I have the privilege and the honor to be able to share with you a story about my life where I was able to see the goodness and the faithfulness of God throughout this last season of my life. It is an honor and a privilege to stand before you and say that God walked with me. There's a lot of things that overcoming hardship, there's a lot of things in the world that they'll tell you, hey, there's ways to overcome hardships, right? But I'll tell you right now, there's no way to do it without Jesus. Everything else will fall short. Everything else is a, is a substitute. It's not as great. It's the generic. The last thing I heard from the world was a group of people get together and they go into a forest and they scream as loud as they can to get all their hardships away, to get all their stress away. Ah! I'm not making it up. They do that. And then they come out of the forest thinking like, oh, I'm so relieved. I'm so free. But they have the same problems. They have the same hardships. They're still going to face the same trials tomorrow. That did absolutely nothing except probably hurt your voice a little bit. We have to know as children of God what God says about hardship. We have to understand what the Bible says about his promises, about him walking with us, and how to walk through the valley correctly, how to walk through hardship correctly with Jesus. Back in November 2017, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. About two weeks after I had my son, I went to the doctor. I was having a very minor issue. I went to the doctor, and they found a mass in my chest. One second. 
they found a mass in my chest. And as I went to the doctor to try to figure out what was going on, he was very confident, which made me very confident, that it was caused by pregnancy. That within a couple months it will go away because you know when you're pregnant your body does some crazy things. So he's saying, hey, it's caused by pregnancy hormones in a few months, it will go away. So I go back to the doctor not expecting to hear you have cancer. I'm going to the doctor expecting like this thing is gone and I can move on with my life. And I'm sitting in the doctor's office and he's asking me, so what are your symptoms? And I'm like, I don't have symptoms. What are you talking about? I'm good. And he said, well, it's not gone. It actually just shrunk a little bit. And the more that I look at it, the more that I look at how it's formed, it looks like lymphoma to me. And I was shocked shocked. I mean, I'm sitting there with my four-month-old child at the time, and I'm like, I didn't even bring my husband with me. I was so confident that this thing was caused by pregnancy. I'm standing here alone in a doctor's office, and you're telling me that I have cancer. I wasn't ready to hear that. My husband and I, we began to do the doctor appointments. We go and do the biopsy, and it confirms, yes, it is Hodgkin's lymphoma. Same day we get the results, we go to the oncologist waiting to hear what the treatment plan is, and she tells me that the oh, person your age, that's exactly the cancer, that's the most common cancer for somebody that, you, that is your age, and we have a treatment plan. And I promise you, when I went into the oncologist, what I wanted to hear was surgery. What I wanted to hear is, oh, we'll just cut it out, we'll sew you back up, and you can go on your way. I did not want to hear the words chemo. I did not want to hear the words radiation. I watched what chemo did to people that I loved. I watched what chemo has done. And I did not want to walk down that road. And as my husband and I sat there and she began to tell us our treatment plan, that's exactly it. <laughs> Six rounds, 12 treatments, chemotherapy. No big deal. I mean, they do this all the time. It's just like, yep, you got chemo, you go chemo, you get chemo. <laughs> You'll be all right. <laughs> but 12 treatments of chemo not what I wanted to do. I did not want to walk down that road. And I remember looking at my husband and thinking like, well, saying, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? We have four children. And I remember him looking at me and telling me, we're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. And that's all I needed to hear from my man. <laughs> And I said, fine, we're going to trust God. And from that moment, it was almost as if we had tunnel vision, 12 treatments. We're going to get through these 12 treatments. That's all we have to do, 12 treatments of chemotherapy. We can do it. And the countdown began, 11, 10, 9, 8. Around that time, I began to lose my hair. It began to just fall out. It was nasty. And it was when I got to about two treatments left that I was finally able to see that there was an end to this. There was an end in sight. Like, oh, thank you, Jesus, there is an end. I just went through the worst thing of my life. Two treatments left. I can see the end. And I began to reflect on everything that I just went through. I began to reflect on the treatments, on the pain, on the things that I had gone through, the things that people didn't see, the times that I was alone in my room in pain and tears because it hurt so bad. And I began to reflect, and I promise you those were the times that Jesus met me the most. 
That was the time that I got to know Jesus as my best friend. That was the time that he was so intimate and close to me. Almost as if he can wipe the tears away from my eyes, whispering to my heart, I am with you. I am with you. I've never left you. We're going to get through it. I got to know Jesus in a way that I never knew him before because I didn't need to know him like that before. But he is good. He is faithful. I was never alone. Never. And I am so happy to stand before you today on April 29th and tell you that my last chemo treatment was April 24th, this last Tuesday, and I do not have to do chemo in Jesus' name ever again. Ever again. Come on, I believe it. We're going to stand on the promises of God. I am done with you, chemo. <laughs> I am done. I am not going back. <laughs> oh, and I have to extend my gratitude before I get into my message today to you, MPI. Because you guys were the body of Jesus to me. You were the true body of Jesus. Every word of encouragement, every prayer that you prayed for me and my family, every person that wore my bracelet nonstop, you guys threw me the best surprise party that I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> I am so thankful. I'm thankful to our pastors. They were very gracious with me. You know, before I started, got my diagnosis, I was already involved in the church in a, in a big way, more behind the scenes, doing administration. And uh, I had an excuse a good one, too. I had, an, I had a good excuse if I wanted to stop doing that. I had a good excuse. But I learned very early on in my diagnosis that I would either, either allow the serving of the church, serving you guys in the way that I do to become a burden in my life during this time, or I would allow it to heal my heart. And I'll tell you right now, it brought so much joy during this time. It brought so much healing during this time. Chemotherapy just crushes your immune system. I, uh, you have no white blood cells. White blood cells is what fights infection. So I was more susceptible to getting sick. It was riskier for me to get an infection. A normal cold for you, a normal fever for you would not be normal for me. That's why when some of you guys would just like run up and hug, I would give you a quick elbow. Like, no, <laughs> you can stay back. <laughs> I don't know what germs you have or what you're bringing towards me. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it destroys your immune system. I had a choice not to come to church. And some people even said, like, hey, it's kind of dumb to go to church. But there was something inside of me. And my husband would tell you, there was times that I was laid out through the entire week because chemo just hurts your body and I would be tired. But, man, when Saturday night came, there was something inside of me that would come alive because I knew that I was going to the house of God tomorrow. I knew that I was going to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ who loved me, who had my back 
who was walking with me through this storm, and I was able to worship the living God with them. This place became a shelter for me. This place became a safe place for me from my storm. Thank you, MPI. Thank you for being the church in my life. I never felt that you didn't have my back. I never felt that you didn't love me. I never felt that you could have done more. I didn't have unrealistic expectations of people. I understood that you had my back. And I knew that there were things that I was going to need in my most quiet hours, in the times of pain that only Jesus was going to be able to provide. It wasn't people. And I'm thankful that he was with me. Church changed my perspective. I would come here and I realized I still had a part to play. I was able to see the bigger picture that life was more than just about me and my chemo and my life. There was more to it. I still had a purpose. I still had a plan. The troubles of life can never take away the promises of God. And the troubles of life come without warning. And I know many of you in this room have already experienced it and you heard a dear, precious testimony from my brother in the Lord today. The troubles of life come without warning and nobody in this room is exempt from them. Nobody. So I encourage you this morning to get to know Jesus now. I encourage you this morning to not just look at discipleship as something that you mark off, to not look at 201 and your homework as something that you just do because you do. No, this is your training ground right now to get to know who Jesus is. This is your training ground to know how to fight in the storm. Because you won't be confused when the storm hits. You'll say, I stand on the rock of my salvation. I know what he says, and I know his plans for my life. This is your training ground. Nobody is exempt from the troubles of life. And I'm reminded of a story. Sorry, I got to call it my do-rag. I got to fix it. <laughs> it likes to go up and slow down. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm reminded of a story, if you could put it on the screen in Matthew 8, it talks about the disciples going onto a boat with Jesus. Excuse me while I drink. It says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, can you say suddenly? A furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I love Jesus. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Suddenly it came. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and waves and it was completely calm. Suddenly, without warning, the disciples didn't see the clouds turning dark. They didn't hear the thunder rumbling. They didn't see the strikes of lightning. Or they wouldn't have gotten in the boat, right? Their boats weren't like today. They weren't getting on a yacht. They weren't getting on. They probably didn't even have sails. They wouldn't have gotten onto the boat if they seen the, the, the storm coming. They would have said, hey, there's a storm coming. But suddenly it came. And that's how it happens in our life. Suddenly you get cancer. 
Suddenly you get news that changes your life forever. Suddenly people that you love die. Suddenly. And we have a choice to make of who we're going to be in this story. We have a choice to be like the disciples and freak out and say, oh, what's going to happen? I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of what comes next. Or we can be like Jesus. We can be well-rested. We could be sure that God is with us and that he's going to walk with us and sure that he would never leave. See, the Bible doesn't promise us that we won't have trouble. Actually, it's the opposite. In John 16, 33, it said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Why? Because in this world you're going to have trouble. Well, that's not a, that's not a verse that, that I like. That's not very comforting. <laughs> In this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to get sick. In this world, you're going to face things that you never thought that you would face before. In this world, you're going to face death. And we have to be careful because, I mean, we have to pay attention here because when Jesus says something like this, it's very important when the but is next because you know something good is going to come, right? He didn't just say you're going to have trouble. He said, but, but take heart. Be courageous. Be brave. Stand on the promises of God. Stand firm on the rock of your salvation. Do not be moved. Why, Jesus? Why should I stand firm? Why should I not be moved? Because I have overcome the world. So what does it mean? It means Jesus is bigger than cancer. It means Jesus is bigger than death. It means Jesus is bigger than any financial issue you could ever face. It means Jesus is bigger than your bills. Whatever you want to put it in there, Jesus is bigger. And if he has overcome, so have you in him. You are an overcomer. I am an overcomer through him. Amen? It's important. It's important to know what the Bible says. He didn't say we wouldn't have troubles. What he said is he would lead us, that he would make us lie down in green pastures. He said he would lead us beside quiet waters, that he would restore our souls. He didn't say that you wouldn't face death. He said that he would guide you along the right path for his name's sake. He said that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death that he is with you, that you have nothing to fear because his rod and his, wrath, his staff, they comfort you. It's Psalm 23. You should memorize it. In Psalm 91, it talks about how he's a refuge for us. My sister earlier said he's a, his name is a strong tower and those who run to it are safe. Psalm 91 says he's a refuge, he's a shelter, he's our help in ever times of trouble. Chemo was able to destroy things in my body. Chemo was able to take my hair. The most bogus thing it did, it was take my eyebrows. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it was bogus. Chemo was bogus. <laughs> Listen, I, that is next level beauty care, dude. I am so proud of all of you women who draw on your eyebrows every day. I don't know how you do it, 
Man, I was, it was just next level, next level. <laughs> but chemo was able to destroy things in my body, right? It took my hair, it took my eyebrows. It killed the good and the bad cells inside of my body. But it wasn't, what it didn't do was destroy my soul. What it couldn't do was touch my soul. Because the Bible says that only one can destroy the soul. And that means that only one can save the soul. And I'm on his side and he's on my side. So that means I'm surrounded by safety on every side. And so are you if you believe it this morning. If you believe that he is your refuge, you are surrounded by safety on every side. And nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you. It would have been so easy for me easy in my flesh to fall into a place of despair, to fall into a place of depression. It would have been so easy for me, being a 30-year-old woman with long hair, losing my hair, feeling like myself on the inside, but then I see a mirror and I'm like, whoa, what is happening? I'm changing. This is changing me. I look different. I feel different. I feel sick. My flesh would have loved to give way to some despair, to some feeling sorry for myself. And I don't want you to misunderstand anything that I, that I say today, like God doesn't care about you. And I hope that that's not a lie that you hear coming forth from me today. The Bible says that he is close to the brokenhearted. He says to cast your anxiety on him because he cares about you. He says that he, he will walk with you, that he loves you, right? So don't get it twisted that God doesn't care. He does. But it would have been easy for me to fall into a place like that if my eyes were not focused on Jesus. And in the Bible in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Say anything. Anything. Do not be anxious about anything. You got to read it a few times to get it into your heart. Anything. What do you mean, anything? Anything? I don't have permission. I don't have permission from God. I don't have permission from the writer of Philippians, from Paul, to be anxious even when I get a diagnosis of cancer. I don't have permission to be anxious. When I see the world falling apart, when, when nothing is going my way, I don't have permission, God. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, how do I not do that? But in everything, in every situation, he changed my verses a little bit. That's okay. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Can somebody say thanksgiving? thanksgiving. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why didn't Paul just leave Thanksgiving out? Why didn't he just say, don't be anxious about anything, but in every uh, situation, by prayer and position, present your request to God? Why didn't he just tell us just to go tell God what's going on in our hearts? Why can't we just go to God and be like, God, blah, 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 blah. 
with no thanksgiving because he knew. He knew that a heart of thanksgiving would change your perspective. He knew that a heart of thanksgiving was the roadway for the peace of God to come and guard your heart and your mind. It opens the way for peace to come and for people to know the evidence that you have a heart of thanksgiving is you will be consumed with God's peace. Consumed with God's peace. I remember when I first got diagnosed, well, let me give you a little background information. Um, I come from a family where my mother died from cancer when I was five years old. She went through chemo. My dad here in the front seat, he raised four kids on his own. And if you'll notice, he's starting to go gray. And I'm pretty sure that 90% of that is from raising me. <laughs> so <laughs> I am so thankful for my dad. I am so thankful that God gave me a good father here on the earth that didn't give up on me when I was wild, when I was doing stupid stuff. He didn't give up on me, and I know that's why I get to stand here today, because he gave me a good dad. But I lost my mom to cancer, and even before I, uh, before I got diagnosed with cancer, they actually found other health issues in my body, I went and they found an aneurysm also in my artery. And what an aneurysm is, it's just a ball of blood. And the more blood that goes to it, the more pressure that it has, there's more risk of rupture. And I had that when I was pregnant with my fourth son, Judah. And when you're pregnant, obviously there's more pressure going on. It was the riskiest part for me being in pregnancy. And obviously we didn't find it until after pregnancy. The, the doctors call it incidental finds. We know that's not incidental. Nothing's incidental. We know that God is, God is behind that. Thank you, Jesus, that we found those things. But every doctor that I went to, he, they would tell me how fortunate I was. You're so fortunate. Your riskiest time of rupture was while you were pregnant. That thing would have ruptured and it would have killed you and your son. And nobody would have known where the blood was coming from because we didn't know that it was there. So at this time, I mean, I am, we, through the three months before I got diagnosed, I'm just thankful. I mean, we took care of that situation. My, my son is healthy. I thought that I kind of like escaped death in a way. Like, wow, it wasn't my time. It wasn't my time. Thank you, Jesus. But it was after I got diagnosed, so all that was going on, I come from a family where my mom died of cancer. I had the aneurysm, we got it fixed, and now I have cancer. And I was at the point of where I was past the shock. I was past the shock of, of chemo, I was past all of it. I was sitting in my room and I get a phone call. I get a phone call from a family member. I don't think she was past the shock. <laughs> she was hysterical, and I mean like, I answered the phone. <laughs> And I'm like peaceful, like chilling in my room. <laughs> and she is, oh my gosh, you got cancer. I can't believe it. Blah, blah, blah. We like to call it catastrophe minded. The world is coming to an end. Like that's how it sounded to me. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I hope she's going to be okay. You know, <laughs> I hope she's going to make it through this. <laughs> But in her conversation, something switched. It went from like, you got cancer, I'm so sad. I mean, your mom had cancer, she died with four kids, you have four kids, you must, you must be so scared that you're gonna die. You know, all these things that she's trying to put into my heart. I'm like, nope. And then she switched in her conversation. She said, you must be so angry at God. 
you must be so angry. And I could hear her track, you know, what, what she was probably thinking. Lauren, you went to Bible college. Lauren, you chose Jesus over everything else. You could have had a career and you chose Bible college. You chose to work at a church that's only, you know, this big or whatever is going through her head. You must be so angry at God that he would give you cancer. And I stopped her very politely. And I said, listen, I am not angry. I am thankful. I am thankful. I am thankful for my family. I am thankful for my church. I am thankful for my pastors. I am thankful that they have a treatment plan that they can actually treat this thing. I am thankful that my husband didn't wake up to a dead wife one day, that he has more time with me. I'm thankful that my children had more time with me. I was full of thanksgiving, a heart of thanksgiving, and it blocked the anger from me. It was the cure. It was the cure. A heart of thanksgiving was the cure to the catastrophe mindset. Everything is going crazy. A heart of thanksgiving was a cure to anger, to bitterness. A heart of thanksgiving was the cure. Amen? Amen. God is good. A heart of thanksgiving changes your perspective, too. You start to see what you do have instead of what you don't have. You start to see that there's eternal value in your temporary situations. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We heard that earlier when Jesus told us not to lose heart, right? Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not give up. We do not stop being courageous. We do not stop standing on the promises of God. Though outwardly we are wasting away, though this body of death may have cancer, though we may be dying literally on the outside, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We are strong in Jesus in the inwardly. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Pastor Joe preached an amazing message on this not that long ago. If you want it, I will send it to you. But he was talking about how every trial and test that we have, our momentary troubles of this earth, our 80 years in comparison to eternity, our light, our light, they're temporary in comparison to the glory that's to come. So what do I focus on now? Do I focus? Do I fix my eyes on my cancer? Do I fix my eyes? On the chemo, do I fix my eyes on death? No, I fix my eyes on Jesus. Adam, would you come, please? I fix my eyes on the eternal. I fix my eyes on things that are not seen. There is a purpose 
in our pain. There is a purpose for everything that you will face. And you can overcome with Jesus. You choose today who you're going to look at. You choose today who you're going to choose. If you're going to keep your eyes on Jesus or if you're going to put your eyes on the momentary things of this world, you choose it today. But I, for me, I choose to put my hope and my trust in Jesus. Our circumstances may change, right? Things are always changing on this earth. We talked about that. They come suddenly. Things change. I mean, in moments, in moments, you can get a phone call and your life can change. In moments, things are forever changing in our lives. But the Bible says that there's one that doesn't change. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know sometimes it's easy for Christians or just people in general. Something goes wrong in their life, and the first thing they want to do is, I thought God was good. (laughs) I forgive you. (laughs) Let's call up the rest of the band while we're at it. first question they have is, I thought God was good. I thought God was faithful. I thought he promised me these things. And I can promise you in this room this morning that God is still good. That no matter what you face, the Bible says, like I said, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means the same God that was good in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when he walked the cool of the day is the same God that is good in your life today. And the same God that was with Moses and the Israelites and and they went upon dry land is the same God that leads you in your life today. And the same God that gave courage to Daniel as he was in a lion's den full of hungry lions is the same God that gives you courage today to face every trial and every trouble of life. The same God that was with Esther, right, and gave her the bravery to stand before a king and have favor and save a people is the same God that is very present in this room right now. He is always good. He is always faithful. Always faithful. Always good and his promises are true, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? He promises to never leave you. He promises to never forsake you. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe this morning? Are you sure that you could face tomorrow? After hearing this message, do you know that you serve the God of tomorrow? He's already been there. You can trust him. You can trust him. He is good. He is faithful. I can't say it enough. God is good. God is faithful. God is good. God is faithful. He is faithful. God, you are good. Give him some praise. Oh, you are good. 
workers come to the front. We're going to have a few altar calls in this place this morning. The first one is if you do not know Jesus, there is no way for you to walk through hardships with Jesus. So if you do not know Jesus in this place, I want you to come forward and get prayer. Oh, today is the day of salvation. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. If you are going through a hard time right now, if you are facing the troubles of life, if you're in your darkest time and you need some encouragement, you don't know that you haven't, you haven't been able to see God in it, I want you to come for prayer. If you need healing in your body from anything, I want you to come for prayer. These altars are open for you to come as the band leads us in a song. Come on, the power of the Holy Ghost is in this place. I don't have to beg you to come. The power of God is in this place. Oh, God for your word we thank you Jesus that you are a faithful friend that you stick closer than a brother 
We thank you that your promises are true. We thank you that we can stand on your word today. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. And I pray every heart that leaves this place today will be able to face their troubles because they have their hope and their trust in you. And I pray that they would know that nothing can separate them from your love. Nothing can separate them from your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. We will see you next week. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to worship. separate me from